Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. All right, what's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Rebuild Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jordan Zerm. You can find me on Twitter, at Cleve Zerm. You can find some of my written work at uprocks.com. Just put out a nice little profile piece on Colin Sexton that I had a lot of fun writing, so that is uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter page if you haven't had a chance to check that out and are interested in some non-Browns things. Uh, that is there for your consumption. You can find this podcast, as well as all of Blue Wire's podcasts, on iTunes, you can find them on Spotify, you can find us on Stitcher now, you can also find us on Art19, so that is where you can find The Rebuild as well as all of Blue Wire's podcasts, and uh, I think we're up to 30 podcasts now under the Blue Wire network, which is pretty crazy for something that started only a few months ago. If you have a favorite sports team, chances are there is a podcast under the Blue Wire network that is covering your team, and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you are a fan of uh, a fan of the Cleveland Football Browns, which means that you should also be listening to my man Jake Burns' podcast under the Blue Wire umbrella, Browns Film Breakdown. Jake and I have done uh, a couple crossover episodes, but Jake does a really great job with a little bit more of an X's and O's look. Uh, at the Browns on a weekly basis, so you should be checking that out. And if you are also a fan of the Cleveland Basketball Cavaliers, you should most definitely be listening to the Chase Down podcast that is hosted by Justin Rowan and Carter Rodriguez. They do a really, really good job covering the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Justin and Carter are also some of the funniest people I know. You should also be following them on Twitter. I believe Justin is at Cavs Anida and Carter is at Carter underscore Shade. So um, if you enjoy the Browns, if you enjoy the Cavs, there are plenty of podcasts underneath Blue Wires Network for you to check out and consume. They are all really, really good. So I would highly recommend that you do that. But this podcast is about the Cleveland Browns. And there is some news. There's always news when it comes to the Browns. There's always something to talk about when it comes to the Browns. But especially uh, right now and this week because the Browns just uh, participated in the owners' meetings and some GM's meetings. Both John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens um, are in. Where are they? Where where are these meetings taking place? They look like they're in a very... Uh, they're in Phoenix, excuse me. So uh, great time of year to be in Phoenix, Arizona, late March. It's not 130 degrees yet in, in Phoenix. So both John Dorsey and uh, Freddie Kitchens were there. And it looks like most of what they do during this is they eat breakfast and then are awkwardly interviewed by reporters sitting around a table. Some of the reporters are still eating food, which is a good thing to do while you're interviewing somebody. Just um, eating French toast while you're asking Freddie Kitchens questions, I think, is always the way to go. And it's absolutely something that I would be doing were I covering this. I would be I would be stacking my plate full of food. As an aside, you know, they always tell journalists if you're at an, an event and there's food, like don't participate in it because you should remain as unbiased as possible. And if they're they're offering you food, don't eat it because then you'll be swayed, which 
is the dumbest thing in the entire world. You should always eat the food. The food, even if the food was trash, it's not going to affect how I'm going to write and cover about it. Maybe I'll mention it in the piece. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will mention that your sandwiches were bad and I will never eat them again. But I've never understood the don't eat the food at an event. I'm going to eat the food. I'm just going to let you guys know that now. If you're hiring me in the future, just know that if I go to an event and there is food, I'm going to eat it. And that's on that's on you for providing food. And that's going to be in front of my face. I'm going to devour it. So it's a quick aside. But, you know, so the Cleveland Browns a few years ago introduced new uniforms. And they were pretty bad. I think at first there was this excitement about new uniforms coming out. So people got really into it. I think if you go back through some of my initial tweets about the uniforms, I probably said things like, wow, the all white ones look really clean. Uh, you you can probably expose me and find those, but um, you know opinions change, people grow and evolve, and the Cleveland Browns uniforms for the past few years have been bad. Um, they decided that they were going to put Cleveland on the front of the jerseys, which is the first time I think in NFL history any team has put the name of their city on their jerseys, and there there was a reason why no one has done that because it looks really bad. It feels very forced. They wrote Browns down the pant legs. It just feels like they're very much trying to tell you that they are the Cleveland Browns when we know that they're the Cleveland Browns because they are the football team that plays in Cleveland. So we don't really need to have that reinforced. Um, And if you remember the opening ceremony, they had this big event for the unveiling of the jerseys. And it went as hilariously wrong as something like that can go because it is the Cleveland Browns. and, And during this time as a team... Uh, everything go, everything would go wrong no matter what they did. And so this jersey unveiling was no different. And I, I went and I covered it and they put a bunch of the players on the stage and wearing like these huge trench coat things like that had hoods and they were zipped all the way up. So the idea was that the players were going to unzip they were going to unzip these jackets and bam, the uniforms were going to be underneath and it was going to be this big reveal. And then they did it and a couple of the players couldn't get the jackets off. Like I think I remember Taylor Gabriel had a hell of a time trying to get his jacket off. And it was just really a metaphor for the jerseys. Like the jacket didn't want to come off because it didn't want to show what was underneath. And like that was the year they signed Brian Hartline and he was like one of the players on stage. And it was just... You know, it was the most Brownsy event of any Browns events that I can remember going to. And then the jerseys were just really underwhelming. And it just didn't fit. It felt like something that Nike had some more radical or better ideas, but the Browns sort of nixed them and, and or ma- made them make a compromise. And this is what they came out with. And it's really funny now. So D and Jimmy Haslam, you know, met with the media. And it's funny, Dee Haslam had some comments where she she just basically admitted that they missed the mark on those uniforms um, and that they, like, yeah, they're bad. You know, like, if you got Dee Haslam in a private moment, she'd probably be like, these jerseys are terrible. So shout out to Dee for being honest um, and, and realizing that they need to change their jerseys again. Um, she said that, uh, she said, quote, I think we got it right this time. These jerseys are going to debut next season. Don't buy an Odell Beckham jersey uh, because they're just going to be new ones. Like, I was at the Cavs game last night. There were three people sitting courtside wearing Odell Beckham Jr. jerseys that are going to be obsolete in a year. So I just hold off on buying jerseys. Don't do that. But immediately, whatever, whenever these jerseys drop, buy, then buy your Odell Beckham Jr., your Baker Mayfield, your Miles Garrett, your whoever you want. Um, don't buy them now. 
So, you know, she said, I think we got it right this time. She's not going to give a sneak peek. She said, I think you need to be surprised um, and revealed that she had seen drawings, but not an official prototype yet. She also had a quote that said, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why it takes so long. Same. There's a lot of things in life that take far too long. Um, court cases. It's like, yeah, this will go to trial in seven months. Uh, okay. Uh, what else takes too long in life? Uh, checks. I do a lot of freelance writing. Like, we will pay you in 45 days. Why? Why Why does it take 45 days for you to write me a check and send it to my home? I don't understand that. That's too many days. A month is too long. And having previously, I worked at a place that uh, hired freelance writers. And they would just take forever to submit their checks to them. Like, months. I, please give me my money. I don't understand why it takes 45 days for something like that to go through. So, but I digress. But those, that's another thing in life that just takes far too long. It just feels like these arbitrary numbers, you know, of, uh, or amount of time. Be like, hmm, do you want to rule? On, like, I remember when Josh Gordon and the NFL was like ruling on whether they were going to, how long they were going to suspend him for or whatever. It would just take like 70 days for abs, like have a meeting, decide, and then announce it. That can all take one day. One day. Maybe two if you need a little more time. There's too many things in life that take far too long for no reason. And I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Um, but uh, so I, I reached out to somebody who has seen the jerseys, at least the drawings of them. And I reached out in a panic. I said, you know, I heard from people the first time around that these jerseys were going to be great. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I take anything anybody says with a grain of salt, but I, I have been told that um, D Haslam's comment about, I think we got it right this time, is spot on and that we're not going to be disappointed and that uh, these uniforms are going to be hashtag good. So that is encouraging. I'm told I can rest easy. Um, and, you know, a thing that they've touched on, and there is a previous episode of The Rebuild I did with my guy Aaron Seacrest, better known as OK Pants, who, uh, if you are into jersey redesigns, you should be staying locked to his Twitter at OKPants because he is doing something involved with the Indians, uh, a little redesign of their of their uniforms and maybe a name change as well. Um, so you should check that out. Very talented. We had a discussion about the Browns uniforms and like what we think the next iteration of those uniforms should be. And we sort of came to an agreement that it if you just took their color rush jerseys, which I think are fantastic, and you use that as a base for then the white jerseys, the orange jerseys, which I'm assuming they're going to keep, um, like that's all you need to do, really. You don't really need to do anything more than that. Like the color rush jerseys are really, really good, and then you can, you know, add in an orange jersey, add in a white jersey, add in orange pants, brown pants, white pants, and just mix and match those. Uh, so. You know, it sounds like what the Browns want to do is keep these things classic, keep them simple, go back a little bit to what the jerseys were before this uh, swing and a miss of a redesign that happened. So um, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I've been assured by somebody I trust that they are, in fact, good. So I can't wait to see. Uh, I can't wait to see them. I guess they're not going to be unveiled until next spring, which is a bummer, but you know, uh, hopefully the Browns will be doing a lot of winning and we'll forget about that. And then uh, we will have even more excitement, new uniforms, um, a team that is going to be perennial playoff contenders for a while and uh, things are going to be all good. So that is really exciting. And yes, I've been assured that the jerseys are in fact good. And if they are not, um, 
please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just passing along uh, information. Um, there's some other stuff, though, that came out of these owner meetings that I thought was really interesting and also um, pretty funny. And, and that is Freddie Kitchens, who continues to be who continues to be like if if you and I were a football coach. And someone came up to you and informed you that they just traded, like your general manager came up and said they had just traded for Odell Beckham Jr. I would just react in the way that Freddie Kitchens would react. Like I imagine that privately Freddie Kitchens said like a bunch of swear words and like danced all around the office and like picked up John Dorsey in a bear hug and maybe um, like FaceTimed his whole family and let them know. Uh, but then publicly, somebody asked him. Um, somebody asked him at the at this meeting. You know, what's the first thing he's going to uh, say to Odo Beckham Jr. If you haven't if you haven't heard his answer, here it is. Oh, uh, I love you. Like show me how to catch the ball. I don't know. I mean, just I mean, introduce myself. Get rolling. Get to know him as a person. So to recap, Freddie Kitchens is going to tell Odo Beckham Jr. that he loves him, and then he's going to ask him if he can teach him how to catch the football one-handed, which is 100% the same two answers that I would give and the same two things that I would say to Odell Beckham Jr. Like, I, first of all, I would, I would just sort of, like, just touch his arms. I'd, like, pinch him. I'd, like, ruffle his hair. I just need to make sure that he's real and that he's actually playing for the Cleveland Browns. Um, so that's the, the things I would do first. And if that wasn't, if that doesn't make OBJ uncomfortable enough, I would then tell him that I am in love with him. I've loved him for many, many years, um, and have felt that we should always be together. And now that it has come true, I can tell you to your face that I love you. And then I would immediately take him to a jugs machine and ask him to teach me how to catch a football one-handed. So Freddie Kitchens is just all of us. Freddie Kitchens is just like this dude who is now um, a head football coach of maybe the most buzzed and talked about team going into 2019 season, and he is acting in kind, and I love that. Like I love that he, I love that he didn't give some answer. He's just like, well, you know, I'm not gonna do. It. I've been told my Freddie Kitchens impression is really, really bad, so I'm not gonna do it. Just kidding. I'm gonna do it again right here. I, you know, so I, I'm happy that he wasn't just like, oh, Dale's a good football player, and. We are we're thrilled to have them, um, and you know, but we got work ahead of us, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. I get I get very deep south, like I think that is super deep. That's deeper than Gadsden, Alabama, where Freddie Kitchens is from. That's too deep, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but I think that um, that's what I love most about Freddie is he's just he's just gonna he's just gonna talk and he's gonna be himself and he's gonna give these wonderful answers to questions that other coaches would give sort of generic answers to. So um, I thought that was really, really great. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Freddie Kitchens, he said he thinks OBJ is going to love Cleveland. Uh, and when he was talking about uh, when he was talking about Cleveland, he wasn't just, quote, uh, blowing smoke up y'all's asses, which I like that is a great that's another great phrase that he's used multiple times. Um, Freddie Kitchens, I think, genuinely is in love with Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I think that has created that has created such a strong bond already. Like I, that is in such a short amount of time, Freddie Kitchens has sort of embodied like or just done the like two three things. If there's a handbook of how to relate and gain love from a Cleveland fan base, he should write it, and because he's already done it, so. Um, 
Yeah, Freddie Kitchens has, as you know, as long as the Browns are winning and as long as he's doing good things as a football coach, but he has in a very short amount of time endeared himself to a fan base in ways that usually take uh, much longer to do. So shout out to Freddie Kitchens, who has also just been rocking his elf Browns hat like all over these owner meetings. He's just like strolling around Phoenix wearing it. He wore it in the photo of all the coaches. Um, he's just been wearing it all over the place. Like he's just having a ball and he should, you know? Like this is the this is the honeymoon period. This is the time where you should every day wake up and be like, "Oh my God, I'm the head football coach in the Cleveland Browns, and we just acquired Odell Beckham Jr." Like that is the energy he's putting out there into the world. That is the vibe he is giving off, and he should never stop giving off that vibe because it is uh, it feels cool as someone covering the team and someone who is rooted for the team for his entire life. So I can only imagine what it's like for Freddie Kitchens, who has had to spend most of his NFL career uh, behind the scenes and in positions that didn't get a lot of love. And now he's front and center and he's embracing that. It doesn't seem like any of this is too big for him, which, you know, we'll see what happens when they face some adversity. We'll see what happens when they get into training camp and you have a lot of personality in there um, from Jarvis to Baker to Odell and trying to, manage those personalities is going to be a huge huge job for him maybe more so than the offensive play calling but um he seems like a dude that you know he connected with baker so quickly that i don't think it's going to be any any issue for him um a guy who's passionate to kind of connect with with odell and and with jarvis and with some of the guys on the team that bring a lot of energy so really excited for that pairing really excited to see um how that all goes. All right, I want to take a quick break from our conversation to talk a little about one of our sponsors, and that is Ethos Life Insurance. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That is why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that is super fast, incredibly affordable. It's also very uncomplicated, which, you know, is important. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies They cover under a million dollars. There are no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and then you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day which is something that I purchase every single day. I, I buy far too much coffee, and so life insurance is much more important than that. Um, there's also no hidden fees, which is a big deal as well. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. So discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. You can go to getethos.com. That is E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. Once again, head over to getethos.com. All right, let's jump back into the conversation. I'm just ready for Odell to land in Cleveland. He was overseas. I know he was in Paris for a little while. Um, Yesterday, he was showing off um, some of his just absurd collection of Nikes. So yesterday was Air Max Day. Um, Nike Air Maxes, if you don't own a pair or if you don't know what those are, this probably isn't the podcast for you. Uh, But Odell was showing off his collection of Air Maxes. He was showing off some cleats that Nike customized for him that he is, um, I would assume, going to wear next season. Uh, And then it turns out he was just on Nike's campus. So he was in Beaverton, Oregon. So he is back within the United States. The Browns have talked about how they hope he's going to be there for sort of the off-season training program that starts April 1st. Um, But they're not sure yet. But I don't know if they're going to have a press conference for Odell. Like, I would love an introductory press conference. He's He's a big enough star that it feels like he should have one. Um, I think it would do wonders for sort of his um, 
connection with the fans and and kind of connection to the team. So we'll see what happens with that. But I'm just ready to like see Odell in Cleveland. I need it. I need it in my life. The only time, the only connection Odell Beckham Jr. has with Cleveland right now is one. He did do once when he scored a touchdown. He did LeBron's. Um, chalk celebration. So obviously this has been written in the stars for years to come. But I believe that the video of him that he took last season or two seasons ago, I think it was, where he was looking uh, straight into the solar eclipse out a hotel window. I believe he was in Cleveland. I believe this was before the Giants played in Cleveland where everybody was like, Odell, stop looking into the sun. You're absolutely going to go blind. Um, I believe that was in Cleveland. So uh, obviously very deep ties with Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland. So, uh, And there will only be more to come. So uh, very excited for whenever that happens. Very ready for that to happen. The other news item I wanted to talk about was, again, this D Haslam and, and Jimmy Haslam talking about whether or not the Browns would consider putting a dome um, on top of Brown Stadium, on top of First Energy Stadium. And it, it sort of sounds like they remain opposed to it. Uh, Diazm sort of asked what our fans really want that. I, it would, I know it would cost a ton of money. I, I don't know, you know, I am a Cleveland supporter. I will defend Cleveland at anywhere at any time. But I'm not sure that you want to have the Super Bowl and everything that comes with it. Um in Cleveland in February. I just don't I just don't know if you want to do that. And I know that Minnesota sort of they did it in Minnesota and it just it it's really difficult I think to do it in a cold weather city. And I know that the NBA All-Star game is going to be in Cleveland in a few years and I I went to the NBA All-Star game in Toronto and it was in negatives the whole time we were there and it kind of was a bummer because you wanted to go to these events and it was freezing outside and the NBA All-Star game pales in comparison to the largeness of what the Super Bowl is and every all the events that happen around the Super Bowl and I was fortunate enough to get to go to one in New Orleans and had the time of my life, but it was, you know, you could just walk anywhere and it was so warm and it made it so fun. And I just don't think that having a Super Bowl in a cold weather city is the way to do it because there's too much outside of the game that's going on. Like having a dome is great, um, but there's just too much going on around it that, you know, you you would just not have to want to have to bundle up every time you went outside. And I love you, Cleveland, but I'm just not sure that that's going to be the move and I'm, I wonder if the NFL is going to con- will continually put games in these cold weather cities after some of the feedback they got after Minnesota. And so we'll see. I know when they had it in New York, it was like unseasonably warm, but that is not always going to be the case. So uh, I would, I don't know. I don't know if I'm against the dome. Like I'd be fine with them doing it. I just don't think it's going to make a difference in terms of um, the NFL holding a Super Bowl in Cleveland, which I would imagine would be the main reason that you would want to do it. So. Um, D sounds sort of skeptical, but I did, you know, this sort of got buried in some of their comments, but I appreciated their comments on the lakefront because Cleveland of any city in the United States, I think underutilizes its lakefront, um, horribly underutilizes it. There's, you know, you, this is a separate conversation for a separate podcast, but you know, they have Burke Lakefront Airport, which is just where rich people fly in and they're like getting their least amount of flights in per year than they have at any previous time. And it just takes up this huge strip of land by the lakefront. Um, you know, and Jimmy talked about, um, 
wanting to make it more pedestrian friendly and wanting to make it easier to get to Brown Stadium, which it is sort of still pretty difficult. A lot of walking is involved from not very close. Um, and D said, we want to take care of the fans. Most of our fans want to watch what's on the field, so we will put a big emphasis on providing that. And around the edges there, there will be things for kids. There, you know, it just kind of sits by itself, Brown Stadium. There's nothing really around it um, outside of the uh, the Science Center, which, you know, people go into foot. I don't think there's a Venn diagram that's crossing over of people that want to go to a football game and drink a bunch of beer and also go to the Science Center. Um, so, you know, th- the lakefront remains criminally underused and um, the rock halls down there. Like there are things down there that should then lead to other things that you can go do. Um, and when the Browns are good and you're going to end up having sellouts and people excited about their games, like this is an obvious time to take advantage of that. And there's probably a lot of red tape and a lot of things you got to go through to, I would not want to be a part of a planning committee. Again, things that take too long, um, getting things approved, like city wise, <laughs> you know, like you'll put a plan in place and I'll be like, all right, well, we will start construction on this in 10 years. No, man, start it. Start it next week. Why can't we just do it next week? Let's start next week. I think that's better. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But it does sound like the dome is out of the question. But I appreciate, I think Dee also had a comment where she talked about how people would like to be able to run down by the lake. Like, yeah, they would. That would be great. And there's, it's crazy that they don't have enough stuff going on by the lake just like downtown i know like in places in lakewood um and other communities that are close to the lake like they have stuff like that but downtown wise there's there's nowhere near enough and it's crazy it doesn't make any sense so um shout out to d haslam d haslam for being forward thinking and um she seems like the one that's working um closer with the city on sort of getting that stuff going so you know shout out to her and you know hopefully we have um we have something that you can do around First Energy Stadium. Like I've I've been to Foxborough. What what you don't want and what I don't think would be a good look is like Foxborough is like forty minutes outside of Boston and it's like a shopping center around a football stadium. And that was a super turnoff for me. Like that was not it felt like if you put a football stadium inside Legacy Village, just like very generic. I don't want to go shopping. Um, I don't need retail stuff, but like, I don't know, more bars and restaurants down there and trails and boardwalks. And I don't know, just other stuff you can do that are going to like, you don't just have to be going to a football game to be going down there. So um, we will, uh, we will see what happens with that. And if, um, if that stuff comes to, to fruition, um, you know, it's, uh, the draft is, uh, the draft, the draft is rapidly approaching. It's in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, this year, which I, I don't know, feels like a very random place to hold an NFL draft, but, um, Canton, Canton will eventually get it. Maybe Cleveland will eventually get it. That'll be super cool. Um, this is the least amount I've paid to pre-draft stuff, uh, in a very long time. Um, and, and now that the Browns don't have their first round pick, it's going to be weird not having a, a first <laughs> a pick on this sort of first night of the draft. And um, so, yeah, I know, you know, John Dorsey has talked a lot about this Jeffrey Simmons kid from uh, from Mississippi State. And I believe um, Jeffrey Simmons was uh, having his was having his pro day today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So Jeffrey Simmons and Mississippi State had their pro day today. This is somebody that the Browns have been 
the Browns have been connected to, you know, interior defensive linemen. Um, he had 28 reps today on the bench press, which is uh, pretty good. Um, you know, he... Obviously, he has off-the-field stuff, and we have seen from John Dorsey's track record that he does not uh, does not really care about that stuff, and he has already been on the record fiercely defending Jeffrey Simmons, and uh, Jeffrey Simmons confirmed that he's already met with the Browns. So, um, yeah, I would I don't know what it's going to take and where Jeffrey's going to get drafted. The the off-the-field stuff is going to is obviously probably going to going to drop him. Some people have said that if he didn't have that off-the-field stuff, he would be a top ten pick in this draft. So that is obviously a name that continues to be connected to the Browns. Um, he had a good pro day to t- uh, pro day today, and um, John Dorsey is on the record talking about uh, you know second chances and he's a good guy and all that stuff that. John Dorsey seems to do whenever he has a chance. So, you know, if there's a way for the Browns to get Jeffrey Simmons, um, that would obviously be a a boost to the offensive, or excuse me, defensive line. Uh, another guy with some qu- a questionable background, a la Kareem Hunt. But, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It, these things can go a couple of different ways. And when you look at somebody like Tyreek Hill, who, you know, is... Um, allegedly broke the arm of his three-year-old child uh, and seems to be a person that uh, is not a very good person. And you give these guys second chances and then they just continue to sort of do these things. There's a line. There's there's the guys that get rehabilitated and come back into society reformed. And there's people that don't, like Tyreek Hill, that have these chances and then continue to sort of do these things anyway. And that's the line that you walk Um when you draft people like that and you add people like that to your team and uh, John Dorsey seems unafraid of doing it and you just, you don't know. I don't know what the, the Chiefs are going to end up doing with Tyreek Hill. They should probably uh, get him off their team if what uh, he's being accused of is true. But um, that's, you know, something with Jeffrey Simmons to uh, to keep an eye on. And um, yeah, he's obviously gaining a lot of buzz, um, especially after his pro day and the type of talent that he has. And uh, so, so we will see. But that is a name that con- is continually continually linked um, to the Browns. He obviously, he's rehabbing back from an injury as well um, that he suffered. So there's a couple of things here that will probably hold him back from the first round. And if he drops to the Browns in the second round, it'll be really interesting to see if they make a move, um, if they make a move to get him and uh, if they can add him to their team. So, uh, but the draft is coming up and we will do some more draft talk and kind of episodes coming up. I'm trying my hardest to get the ringers, Kevin Clark um, on a show with me, hopefully next week. Uh, so I'll be really excited about that if I can get him on, if not next week, hopefully in the coming weeks. Um, and uh, But I'm really excited about that and uh, hopefully some more good guests to come as we move forward with the rebuild. Always appreciate you guys listening. Once again, you can find um, the rebuild on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Art19. Um, please subscribe. Please rate. These are things that help podcasts grow, um, which is really important, especially for a startup company like Blue Wire. That is, uh, we've we've entered the market, but are just looking for more support and, and more people to kind of show um, show advertisers and show people uh, investors that what we're doing is really cool. So we can continue to bring you um, great content, and uh, we continue to grow. Also. 
If you are somebody that is into social media, is good at social media, we are looking for uh, somebody to really take hold of our Blue Wire social media um, and sort of build that from the ground up, which is a cool opportunity. So if that's something you are interested in, you can shoot me a DM on Twitter. Again, I am at Cleveserm, and I can sort of point you in the right direction uh, for that. But uh, yeah, that is an opening. That is someplace that uh, if you're looking to sort of jump into the industry and... Um, work in, in social media in, in a sports environment. I think this is a really cool opportunity as we continue to grow. So uh, once again, thank you guys for listening. Next week, hopefully back with Kevin Clark from The Ringer. If not, uh, I'll find another guest. I got, I'm out here, ears to the streets, feelers out everywhere. So um, really looking forward to whatever next week brings. And as always, thank you for listening to The Rebuild. Talk to you guys next week.